Welcome to this week's Poldark Podcast, a podcast about the Poldark saga, written and created by three little Poldark fans, including... Me, my name is Rita. I live in England. I Tumblr at Princess of Poldark, and I tweet at Rita Bites. And me, I'm Michelle. I live in the States. I Tumblr at Poldark Muses and tweet at Musings. Me three, I'm Delinda. I live in France. I blog on Tumblr at Britishly So and tweet at Delinda Dia. Season 3's finale aired this Sunday on BBC One. And in this week's podcast, we'll be delving into 309. So, spoiler warning to anyone who has not watched the episode. So, let's start with the episode description. The episode began with an immediate geography fail. A French warship has been spotted off the north coast of Cornwall, WTF, by Prudy and Tholly. And although the ships don't land, everyone is certain that just like Arnold Schwarzenegger, they'll be back. Cut to a Cornish Cobra meeting where all the landed gentry have assembled to discuss how to defend their corner of England. They assemble a local militia, which has like six middle-aged men and in no way looks like it could take on the French army. And apparently, Russ is their captain. Over in Truro, Ozzy is being super thoughtful about not raping his wife anymore. He even helps doze her at night so she can sleep better. Though his noisy sex with her underage sister is not that discreet, so, yep, he's as gross as ever. Unfortunately for him, though, Rorella starts to suspect she is pregnant. It turns out unprotected sex can do that, breaking news. Anyway, she comes up with a plan to marry Arthur Solway and pretend he is the father of her child. It very quickly becomes clear that Arthur and Rowella are trying to fleece Ozzy into giving them as much money as possible. After much haggling, they settle on a substantial dowry. Now having lost Rowella, Ozzy is back to seeking out Morwenna for his sexual needs. Morwenna, however, is now very aware of how he has been sleeping with her sister and threatens to harm their baby if he comes near her again. A myth to Ozzy relents, and Morwenna is safe for now. George returns from Westminster to find that Drake's new blacksmith shop, well, not really new, it was there before George was elected, but work with us here. Uh, it sits adjacent to Trenwith. Uh, you have to admire Ross's eye for property when he picked the literal hellmouth. Uh, unsurprisingly, George is not pleased with Drake's proximity, and he instructs Tom Harry to fuck with him, Details not required. Thank you very much. His acts of sabotage are incredibly subtle and include both smashing shit and arson. When Demelza learns of this, she goes to Ross to beg him to intervene on Drake's behalf. For reasons that make zero sense if you think about it for longer than a second, Ross is pretty certain it's not George's doing. I mean, after all, he's a member of Parliament, can't risk his reputation by doing silly juvenile things like this. And when it becomes clear that it is George's doing, Ross is like, if we just ignore it, he will go away. Well, that certainly doesn't pan out because when Drake goes to visit Elizabeth to beg for her to intervene, Tom Harry beats the living shit out of Drake. Everyone is horrified by this turn of events, including Sam. Now, instead of responding in character, Sam goes to the local pub and stirs up animosity against the Will Luggins that Dolly then uses to start a riot, because it can't be a finale without a riot. The village, including Emma, all gather and march on George's grain store. Unfortunately for them, 
the local militia are called in to defend his property. And who should happen to lead this ragtag militia? Why, Ross Poldark, of course. We're for the grain. Stand aside. Take them home, Thorin. Your father had turned his grave. His own son changing sides, pandering to the pomp and privileged. When the French arrive, you may wish to be elsewhere. There be no French. Only threat to us here is they. Will he not take a stand with us, brother? Will he not show where thy loyalties lie? You know where this leads, Thorley. Bloodshed, riot. We've both seen it, so go now, and no harm will come to you. Things come to a head when Ross threatens to shoot anyone who approaches. But then he has another nightmare slash daydream slash flash forward slash hallucination thing, where he suddenly decides he's not going to kill people and does a massive 180. He wants to be an MP instead and help the poor. Uh, meanwhile, Dumelza is fucking Hugh. You see, previously, while she was nursing Drake back to health, Hugh had shown up at Nempara on leave from the Navy. Dumelza was initially dismissive about his arrival, but Prudy then told her about Ross kissing Elizabeth. Dumelza went to confront Ross. Agatha's grave. Need we discuss that now? Things you need to attend to? What things? None that need concern you. That was the wrong answer. The correct answer would have been the speech from the previous episode. Instead, Demelza is now heartbroken and wanders off to revenge and fuck you. That's what she does in the long grass of the dune. Meanwhile, George and Elizabeth are having an epic showdown. When confronted with the accusation that she still loves Ross and that Valentine is his baby, Elizabeth goes full sociopath and gaslights George, cruelly manipulating him into a crying mess, begging for her forgiveness. After his mob epiphany, totally going to trademark, Ross goes home and he doesn't find Demelza there. He seems surprised, which is cray-cray when you consider their earlier argument, but anywho, he decides to look for her on the beach. He doesn't find her in Hugh, but he does find George. George is being an approximation of friendly and it's sort of sweet and heartbreaking, but then Ross Loki kind of ruins it by maybe implying George is suffering under an illusion. Jury's still out on what that scene meant. Uh, Ross goes back to Nimpara and waits in bed for Demelza. Well, 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 how the turntables. A little Michael Scott humor for you. She arrives looking kind of like she just snapped out of a dissociative episode and is now like super miserable, despite all the revenge she just got. Ross is also miserable. They comfort each other in their misery, and the episode ends with Romelza hugging in bed. End of season three. So uplifting. We've been overwhelmed with your responses to our survey for this show. Thank you very much. We've had to do a little editing in order to get everyone in there and to fit into our time frame. But know that we really appreciate the time you all put into your responses, and we read all of them. Yes, indeed. Uh, secondly, um... Please remember that what is shared here are opinions, uh, both yours and ours as fans of the saga. Rita, Delanda, and I don't claim to have any special expertise around or authority about this stuff. Uh, the three of us just spend an unhealthy amount of time reading, watching, and writing about Poldark. <laughs> 
Um, and the three of us don't even share the same opinions about a lot of things on here, as you well know. Uh, but we respect the hell out of each other and uh, like each other very, very much. So if you're out and about in the fandom, we encourage you to engage with one another respectfully, even if you happen to be 180 degrees in the opposite direction from one another. It makes the fandom life much more fun. Kinda sexy, kinda sexy. Please be all kind to each other. Yay! <laughs> Whatever. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, so what did you think of this week's episode? We had a mix of positive and negative responses from you this week. Here are some of the highlights. Prairie's head said it was not as bad as I feared. Season 3 has been a disappointment for me, and I'm not afraid to say so. Amanda Poldark said it was an amazing end to an already excellent season. I'm still slightly mad that Debbie Horsfield didn't use my idea of revenge, but the episode satisfied my Ross-hating heart a good deal. Romantical Reverie said, Overall, I was disappointed with this episode. I think there were so many scenarios happening in one hour-length episode that every scene felt short, choppy, and devoid of detail. Perhaps the finale should have been two hours. Sweet Ruptured Light said, I cringed through the entire thing, except the Elizabeth George stuff, which was lit as fuck. <laughs> Regarding the season, a basic clusterfuck of a mess. <laughs> you have a way with words. <laughs> I know. Well said, Sweet Ruptured Light. I think somewhere along in this series, I sort of unplugged my emotional investment to the whole Ross Demelza relationship probably as a coping mechanism, maybe, maybe. And so I found a lot of this episode just kind of meh, you know. It was thoroughly predictable in large chunks, and I didn't enjoy the way Ross as captain of the militia storyline was framed. The only real joy I got was watching Jack Farthing's performance. He saved a rather lackluster finale for me. Now, I too was pretty meh about it, um, surprisingly uh, so, uh, considering how I thought I was going to be. Um, and I think you've really hit on something that that there's a coping mechanism in in effect uh, for this show at this point, uh, just to try and distance myself to, to kind of keep myself safe, even during the the parts that I thought would make me want to throw up. Uh, I will admit to rolling my eyes really hard at moments and having one moment that made me jump out of my chair and say, oh, hell no, uh, which was that. We're going to talk about that later. This final episode in one word, I would say bland. Uh, it didn't feel like I was watching a se season finale because uh, there was no emotionally engaging element to it. Series, but series three in general has been a major disappointment if we compare it to the first two um, series, but uh, I know we'll be talking about season three in general uh, soon. And uh, but yeah, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, George and Elizabeth uh, saved the episode for me. I was uh, on the edge of my seat watching their scenes because they really brought the emotional intensity that their scenes required. And I love that it took all season, but we're finally all on the same page, you guys. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh that's pretty astounding so um our second question was what was your favorite scene now we had loads of folks who thought the final scene was their favorite bpex 67 said the final scene when demelza returns home to ross from her liaison with hugh 
the look on her face when she gets into bed next to Ross of hurt, guilt, and regret. Demelza's face shows someone who has done something terribly wrong and realised that. She can't be, quote, another woman even for a day. Grant Hugh happiness without it hurting Ross, and in the end, herself. And Ross's compassion in holding her, and his face mirroring her hurt and pain, but for different reasons, as a victim. Uh, we also had folks who said Elizabeth's rediscovery of her spine, we should trademark this as well, were some of their favorites. For me, she's head said the Bible scene with Elizabeth and George. That was one of my favorite scenes from the book, and both Haida Reid and Jack Farthing knocked it out of the park. I was moved to tears, literally, by their performances. Romantical Reverie agrees and said all scenes which involve Elizabeth standing up to George's cruel behaviors, especially towards Drake Karn. We also had one for Hugh and Demelza. Amanda Poldock said, Hugh and Demelza making out on the beach. It was hot and even better than my dreams. I'm madly in love with Hugh Armitage and the fact that the fandom hates him makes me love him more. Also, it was an excellent moment of sexual liberation for Demelza. And it was a really beautifully shot scene. I really liked the way the long grass was billowing in the wind. And it was just very visually striking and probably the shot of the season in terms of cinematography. Oh, I agree with you on that. It was it was it was lovely. The the shooting, not the situation <laughs> at hand, but <laughs> uh, some others included, uh, from Paul Darking, um Rowena threatening her and Ozzy's child. It was desperate but believable given her trauma. Annalise Chappelle and Christian Bressington acted the hell out of it. Uh, Sweet Ruptured Light said Horace being all, oh, for fuck's sake, you're at it again. <laughs> best, best part of the episode, in my opinion. It was adorable. Damn it, mum and dad are making out again. Ooh, Poor so little pups. <laughs> Chopaliza said all the scenes between Roella and Ozzy. I just loved their dynamic back and forth and then eventually how she played him. I felt uncomfortable and weird and I don't know why, but I liked that feeling. Oh my god. Rowella bursting into tears every time she was in that room with Ozzy <laughs> was amazing. Yes, and covering her belly every time she went in to talk to him. Vika! 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 Um, Attorney MSB3 said, I liked George and Elizabeth's story. Morwenna and Rowella and Ozzy's lines, maybe because they were very close to the book books and worked in my head. Also, Sam finally got a few good moments that this character has desperately needed to avoid being more than the cliched stereotype. That he was woefully out of character. Yeah. But hey, at least it was different from the Bible something thing. I mean, thing. that's true. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a but good still. choice. Like, no. <laughs> so anyway, my favorite uh, scene was definitely the Ross George scene, which is crazy coming from the girl that complains about Ross George scenes every week. Uh, but Jack Farthing's performance on that beach just blew me away. Possibly one of the finest moments of the entire series of any season. If there was as much nuance and range of emotion in all George and Ross scenes, I would be a very happy bunny. I think it was just pure magic to watch. Yes! It was amazing and such a pleasure to see these two actors perform such a brilliant scene because I know that both of them have had this next level of talent in them to share and it was great that they had an opportunity to do so 
and we had a chance to see it. I think we all agree on this one. And uh, as long as Ross and uh, George are not fighting, we're down for more scenes between these dudes. Um, as long as they're not fighting in pubs, you know, trying to burn <laughs> each other. <laughs> we're good. Gouging out each other's eyes. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but my favorite scene was the final confrontation between George and Elizabeth. And uh, when he ended up breaking down, I just, oh, George, I want to hug you. Poor guy, he needed a hug. Uh, definitely. <laughs> Okay, moving on. What was your least favorite scene? And as you can imagine, the scene with Hugh and Melza in the dunes had a lot of responses here. Prairish's head said this was set up as a revenge fling for Ross's thing with Elizabeth in series 2, period. It took Prudy spilling in the beans about the church visit with Elizabeth and then Demelza confronting Ross about how sick she was of the stolen glances, etc. Without even giving him a chance to ex explain himself. And Romantical Reverie said it felt choppy and sudden in my opinion, even though there is a sort of tender chemistry in the kiss, the approach to how it got there in this episode was rushed in my opinion. I agree, because we didn't see that much of Hugh Armitage, so I understand why we would believe it was rushed. Yeah, they, they basically compressed uh, this entire thing that, you know, Demelza learning about what happened at the church to Demelza having sex with Hugh actually took place over several months um, and they compressed it all into the space of an afternoon to be honest they didn't they didn't really even need much Hugh because it's not about him at all in this version it's just revenge so the riot trope was another least favorite Amanda Poldock said Tholly's occupied Truro sequence it's not because it was not at all like the books. I adore when Debbie Horsfield goes off the path of the books. I just don't think it made sense for Sam Khan to be right in the thick of it. He's all about spiritual cleansing, not socialism. <laughs> uh, you know, Occupy Truro, that, that, that's another one that should have a, a trademark on it. <laughs> that's hilarious. Artsyat said, has to be the standoff with the militia and townspeople. Just was ridiculous in so many respects. Don't recall that this was how Ross decided to become an MP in the books. Did I miss this while reading? Oh no, 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 no! You didn't miss this. Although there was a riot scene that took place in Four Swans, and Ross's involvement in the situation was much more subdued than what we got on Sunday. Uh, Sparks wrote a really awesome piece about this entire murky situation uh, on her blog, and I'll find the link of it and put it onto the blog. It's a it's a great read. The confrontation between Ross and Demelza about the church. <laughs> Tropeliza said he doesn't even try to make her feel better or talk to her about it, just ew. It was it was such a cop out by Debbie to make us feel better about her decision with you. It was cheap and I didn't like it at all. And Deepak 67 said, I thought it clouded her encounter with Hugh. It made it look like she was partly going off with Hugh in response to Ross's encounter with Elizabeth, not because she genuinely cared for Hugh, was attracted to him, felt compassion and pity for him. Uh, George and Ross on the beach uh, got some votes. Uh, Paul Dorking said it was well acted, but felt rather unnecessary. Also, Ross's I believe that belief is a beautiful thing just felt like the writers were trying to seed suspicion in George again. Why did Ross say that, given that he was plotting with Elizabeth to gaslight George last episode? Uh, that, along with George's renewed attempts to one-up Ross, really undermined George's breakdown for me. I think Jack did a great job portraying how shaken George was 
but the writing was just odd. Uh, we got an ask about what Ross meant by that sentence, and um, while I agree that that the writers um, are looking for another opportunity to seed suspicion in George's mind, um, you know, because why not? It's worked all season. Uh, I honestly think that that Ross was responding to um, the epiphany that he had had um, following the riot that wasn't, you know, he was still reeling a bit uh, from that. And uh, also the fact that, you know, he's, you know, he's out looking for Demelza when he spots George. You know, perhaps he's thinking that, you know, belief is a wonderful thing. You know, if I can believe that that she's not doing what I think she's doing, then that's a wonderful thing. I have no idea. But it doesn't make any sense for Ross to say in the last episode, Elizabeth, you need to lie to him and, get, and convince him that the child is his. For him to turn around and then goad George with saying that sentence. I think we're giving too much credit to the writer, to be honest. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> I mean, trying to track characterization through the span of 60 minutes shouldn't be this hard. <laughs> I know. I know. They're making us work too hard. Next response was from Sweet Raptured Light. Any scene with Ross? Any and every scene. The Ross is the bestest stuff that continues even in the finale. The Ross dismissing Demelza with his cool demeanour. Ross continuing to keep what happened with Elizabeth from Demelza for no apparent reason other than to remain mysterious trademark and broody trademark. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Yes, this though. The whole Saint Ross bullshit we got in this episode is the worst and just completely at odds with season two he's like jackal and hide um attorney msb3 said uh, ross as husband his off offhand remark to demelza that elizabeth would never be part of terrorizing drake because quote he knows her end quote was callous yes he knows her in the biblical sense and yes i know that is not what he meant but geez what choice for him, the affair may be over, but for her, the knowledge of the affair, the hurt, his continued regard for Elizabeth and Valentine remain. He never apologized to her for his affair with Elizabeth, and it is too late to do so now. He does not apologize for lying to her about seeing Elizabeth at Agatha's grave. Granted, she does not give him, give him the chance. What got me is after the almost riot, when he returns home and calls for Demelza, there is nothing in his tone of voice to indicate that he realizes the mortal blow his lie was to Demelza in their marriage. He begins to acknowledge it at the end of that scene. At the end, he takes her back in his arms, suggesting he wants her no matter what happened. Still not enough for me. To me, he did not neglect her, which she could handle. Instead, he consistently shows little regard for her feelings, even after she forgave him for his affair, worked on rebuilding her trust in him, and was honest about you. I am left with Shoros, a character that I don't much like, do not feel sorry for and don't feel like rooting for. And I actually agree. I know. This is a shocking turn of I, events. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I am the, the, the raw supporter on here and uh, for the most part. And I show Ross really is not the person that I have come to admire. 
but sure, he's sure yeah. pretty. And you know, his curls have been on point this season. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, next we have Demelza. Uh, attorney MSB3 said, I interpreted her reaction to Ross's meeting uh, Elizabeth as her losing faith in him and losing hope for their marriage. In effect, you live your life, I won't ask you about it, and I will live mine. For me, there was no reason for her having sex with Hugh. At that point, she feels she loves a man she cannot trust. Her marriage is lost, and with it, a huge part of herself. She is hurting. Hugh asks to sleep with him uh, one time, nothing more. He admires her, says he loves her, and is hurting. It is her deliberate choice, and I don't think she ever knows why she makes it. A bandage to heal a wound? What is clear is that she immediately regrets it, regardless of what happens to her marriage, because she betrayed her own character. She is so much less than she thought she was. Sound familiar? So she and Ross are left in the same place. Neither are the person they or the other thought them to be, not apologizing for their actions, not communicating, just lost. I dislike this so much because what is completely missing is the underlying love and connection that they had in series one and in the books. And I totally agree. The fact that, yeah, the fact that they have had this reconciliation uh, stretch and bleed all the way through this series, as opposed to it being a done deal at the beginning of Black Moon, uh, has been a pall that has just lingered uh, and festered over the entire series. And the only reason why they're able to get through the things that they get through is because they learn from the incident with Elizabeth and they begin to communicate, not great, but they are sharing their feelings much more often uh, in Black Moon and even more so in Four Swans. And this is, it's just wound up making this whole thing uh really uh discordant so while i didn't really like a lot of the decisions made around the rust demelza relationship that's not new news so i think in terms of how the episode played and how it presented the characters i think i hated the raging mob versus captain ross scene the most i think because it was very 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 trite uh, there was a complete lack of tension in that scene because you just know the show is 100% uncomfortable and unwilling to engage with on a meaningful level with the idea of Ross's rank or privilege. This show is much more comfortable playing inside the lines of what a good guy Ross is and he, his attitude to the poor and law and order are never really examined. In the novels, Ross's political stance and personal opinions on things like the French Revolution were a lot less progressive than the show is willing to allow for. For example, Book Ross did not approve of the idea of democracy, and he firmly believed that the poor had to be guided by their social, quote, betters. And this is an attitude the show is shying away from showing to the point that TV Ross seems incredibly anachronistic. This disappoints me more than other people, I think, because I think I got such a big kick out of Ross, Ross's political storylines in the books, and it's an aspect of the story as told by Winston Graham I enjoyed, 
and I'm betting that I won't like it so much as told by Debbie Horsfield. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, you know, one of the things that, that you mentioned, you know, the, the fact that Ross did not approve of the idea of democracy and firmly believing the poor had to be guided by their social betters, those are comments that actually came out of um, Lord What's-His-Face at Tahiti when Ross and uh, he were meeting, uh, you know, and... Ross turns around and says, uh, you know, basically quoting, you know, fraternity, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's such a great opportunity to show the, the, the nuances in this character instead of making it be this, I am a good guy. I believe in, you know, liberty, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's, it's just annoying. And, and I'm still confused about this. Um, you know, not even getting into the reasons why TV Demelza wants Ross to run off to London as an MP, because, you know, yeah, that's what happens. You run off to London and you're there for several months because you're in session. And I thought you wanted him home, but never mind. Um, Folly accuses Ross of being all in with the establishment in one breath and then praises Ross on his decision to become an MP in the next. Now, you know, I'm I'm an American, so our political, uh, our political. Well, let's just say that that what I like to remember about our, our political structure here um, is different from what it is over in the UK. So help me understand why Tholly would be all in for Ross becoming an MP, because you know Ross is like. No, 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 no. Okay. Um, when it comes to becoming an MP in this episode, I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense because to become a member of parliament, you had to be landed gentry or at least incredibly wealthy. You needed to acquire a certain amount of um, position so he, you literally have to be part of the establishment to help guide this country. It's at odds with everything Tholly is claiming to fight for. <laughs> so when he's like, I'm going to be an, a member of parliament, and they all like put their weapons down, it doesn't make sense. And there was another, there's another reason why Book Ross agreed to run for MP. He had found the poem that Hugh had written to Demelza and believed that she had been unfaithful. So he was he was heartbroken uh, when he found that. And that was, I think, part of the reason why he agreed. It would give him an opportunity to run away from home and run away from his problems, which we all know TV Ross does so I'm well. going to join the army! Oh, wait, no, I'm not. Um, What I didn't like about this episode, least favorite scene... Um... Oh, the fact that they're trying to incorporate in every season finale a big, 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 big drama trademark for the sake of um, of drama. And sometimes it doesn't work. Last season we had the same thing um, when they tried to burn Trinwith House and then you had uh, um, Savior Ross on his horse and his pistol who saved everyone and uh, told the mouse, like, you see, I came back for you. And she was like, I didn't even know you left. But, uh, <laughs> and the, 
that the, this year they reused the exact same plot. Oh, because riots are 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 dramatic. No, they aren't. No, they aren't. Not when you have them in every single bloody episode. God, I'm so tired. <laughs> Honestly, they're they're not. They were in like the season one final. <laughs> season two, not so much. Season three, not at all. Yeah. Um. I think. Uh. If we do like Poldark Bingo. <laughs> We should have one of the squares say, Riot! Yep. <laughs> For real. Yeah. You know, I guarantee someone's gonna mark that off. Ugh. Lord. Okay, so who was your favorite character? Hugh got some nods. Um, BPAC67 said, I wanted to offer another perspective on Hugh. He came back from war after seeing much, much brutality and death and recognized that life was short. His path crossed with Demelza's. She was beautiful, compassionate, kind, insightful, smart, and witty. She was very different to the society-type beauties he would have mixed with. Demelza would have been a breath of fresh air and so easy to fall in love with. He was wrong in pursuing her, but he selflessly or selfishly wanted to love her and be loved by her, particularly after he realized he was going blind. Uh, Elizabeth also got a bunch. Artsy Ad said it had to be Elizabeth's backbone. Who knew she had one? Although yet another example of the character flaws this season. One episode, a crazy vindictive bitch. Next, kind and caring. <laughs> and uh, Sweet, Sweet Ruptured Light said, Elizabeth, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the way she tore into George, even though she's lying through her teeth, was epic. Wish we had more of this. It's about time she told him to get over himself and act his age. Pretty got some love. Tropeliza said, Prudy, she wanted Demelza to be happy, but also felt like she had to tell her the truth, then regretted talking her into her decision. I really like the turn they've taken this character. As for me, um, is it okay to say George? Because he was probably at his worst this episode, but he was also at his best. And while he will always be particularly unlikable I really enjoy watching him on screen and his pain and suffering hurt me this week in fact a lot more than Ross's did because he felt like a much more fleshed out character than we've seen all season Uh, I agree Uh, while the repeated I'm jealous of Ross thing got to be a little old George's character arc has been amazing to watch, but mainly because of the man who played him. It's time for me to hit up Mr. Farthing's IMDb page and hunt down some more stuff to watch. Yay! Um, I knew as soon as I watched the season season three trailer that uh, I would be emotionally moved by George, believe it or not. And um, I thought that maybe they had cut some... Um, a few bits from that uh, confrontation with Ross on the beach uh, because uh, at some point during the trailer we see George who is completely distressed and so I thought that maybe uh, Ross had um, dropped some hints about Valentine not being his uh, his uh, biological son but maybe they just did some reshoots and uh... yeah it, it looked like a different shot than what we saw in the season three uh, sneak trailer that they showed at the end of, of season two um, but you know, just the, the look of, of absolute distress on George's face was, you know, amazing. It was amazing. 
Oh, let's see. Who was your least favorite character? Well, Whitworth got a whole bunch of comments, of course. Uh, BPAC67 said, uh, Whitworth, after being outsmarted by Ruella, he threatens to force himself on Morwetta again. Artsyat said, I think that cheap sexual predator got off pretty easy when it comes to averting a scandal of that proportion. Mm-hmm. Uh, another least favorite character is Modern Show de Melza. Clarice's head said, I've decided to create my own headcanon where season 3 de Melza was not the real de Melza, but an imposter placed in Cornwall by aliens who kidnapped the real de Melza and made her watch in horror as her imposter did things that were out of character for her and hurt Ross. And hurt Ross. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that because this is how I plan on staying sane. I am intrigued with your ideas and wish to subscribe to your newsletter. And can I just say that you described a whole bunch of plot from Twin Peaks? So I'm wondering maybe there's a crossover <laughs> happening right now that we're just not aware of. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, not unsurprisingly, Hugh Armitage. Shock! Podarking said, I really dislike Hugh. He was definitely playing on Demelza's sympathy this episode and it felt ick. But Hugh was being series 2 Elizabeth levels of manipulative with his poems and the I've no wish to threaten your relationship with Ross followed abruptly by your head might not but would your heart is like basically 18th century R. Kelly and putting a hand on her collarbone (laughs) which is totally where the heart lives and most of all the can you allow me this Shall we grant ourselves to each other so that I may go into the darkness knowing that I once tasted heaven? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. That was, that was, that was, that was probably just the, the, the most nauseating thing. Honestly, I think if some man ever told me that, I would say, bitch, are you crazy? (laughs) I mean, oh my God. Oh my God. No, but seriously, once he's like, um. I just want flesh and blood. And now he's talking about tasting heaven. Like, are you a vampire, dude? Seriously? Oh, God. My personal theory is that Demelza well, he... just slept with him so that she could get him to shut the fuck up. I mean, <laughs> what was that? Um, and given her antics this episode, Prudy. Sweet Raptured Light said Prudy. What's up with her crusade to see Demelza have some kind of revenge affair? What the fuck? Uh, no effing clue. None whatsoever. Except, you know, this is this is um, cheap way of directing uh, action. You know, instead of having this decision be Demelza's to make, she's got Prudy prodding her along saying, you know, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. This is Demelza's decision to make. Not anymore. So for me, my least favorite character was probably Elizabeth. First, her magical overnight transformation from like this bitter, scorned Elizabeth into Ross's greatest defender in the span of an episode, Elizabeth. Um, it just felt really jarring. 
in the books it was a lot more gradual. This was just over the top gaslighting and near cruelty to George. Um, the more hysterical she became in that scene, the more uncomfortable I became. And to be honest, guys, she kind of frightened me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is all down to the amazing acting by uh, Hyda Reed. I mean, she was she was breathtaking in this episode. Yeah, in this last in the last two episodes. Um, I remember during book club, um, I said that she, it was, if it was actually a real Bible that she took to Sword and George, that she hasn't given herself to anyone else besides him and Francis, R.I.P. Francis, I thought that it was really blasphemous because she's lying to his face and she knows that she is a uh, George's weakness because, um, I think she's part of the few people on earth that he actually loves and uh, that he will believe her eventually because love is blind. But um, I guess because Elizabeth uh, hasn't been shown to be this religious character, it makes it okay for her to lie holding a real Bible. And uh, But don't tell Sam because he'd have a heart attack, I think. God, the thing's going down in churches this season and the lying on Bibles. I know. Oh, Sam. Okay, what made you cheer? It was the backbone injection of Elizabeth. Sweet ruptured light said, gotta hand it to Lizzie, she was on fire. Even had George running scared. Hyder and Jack just killed it. Killed it. And me saying this is huge because I love to hate them both. Fabulous scenes this week. Perigee's head said, I have to say that I loved her this week. She stood up to George. She called him out on his petty jealousy. She even threatened to leave, which I don't believe happened in the novels. I'm not entirely sure what her motivation was to do this, but I'm not going to quibble. <laughs> she she wasn't going to leave him. <laughs> oh, silly rabbit. She's living high on the hog now. She's not giving that up. No, she told him she was staying at Trengwith when he was going to go back to London. That's not the same thing. I'm going to live in the house you own while you're off somewhere else. Exactly. Um, and, you know, she stood up for Drake because her son loves Drake. And she must keep his admiration, her son's admiration, because, you know, that's what it's all about with Elizabeth. She got, she, girls got motives. She's got motives. Let's see. Romantical Reverie said, overall, Elizabeth being sick of George's behavior. Elizabeth telling George they may be incompatible, that their marriage is foundering on suspicion and jealousy, and that his objection to Drake is really his hatred of Ross, and her questioning him, giving him an ultimatum about the future of their marriage, even if her words were spoken out of manipulation for the betterment of all, and done to erase all suspicion and jealousy from George's mind. In the last episode, Ross asked her to make him say referring to what George suspected and told her to deny it and lie. And my gosh, I think she did so in the most perfect way possible. George deserved it all, even if it was manipulation. If I'm honest, I'm glad she made him cry. I, ho I had hoped it would create a total change in personality for George, knowing his cruel actions towards others upset Elizabeth. In other words, she thought she could make him a better man, but based on the ending scene with George and Ross on the beach, even though George looked totally spooked after believing he might lose Elizabeth, I suspect her confrontation with him was only effective in, with regards to his attitude and actions towards her. 
But hopefully anytime George is cool in the future, Elizabeth can chide him and make her feelings against his behavior and actions known. I'm glad she could use the power of his love for her and his wanting to always please her for good. Uh, we had a um, message in the ask box about uh, that scene that uh, says, from Anonymous, that says, Elizabeth manipulated and gaslighted George into believing her lies until he was a broken, guilty shell. As someone who, someone just out of an abusive relationship where I was the victim of that, I felt so sad and angry for George. No matter how much of a dick he is, that was not warranted. Yes, like that is textbook gaslighting. Like, everybody go look it up. It's abuse. Elizabeth went past a simple lie here, right into harassing George into the belief that he was the problem, that his doubtless suspicions were driving her away, and she totally used her love for him as a weapon. I was just horrified. That scene came across so much more aggressive than it did in the book, and my eyes really cemented Elizabeth as a villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I agree with you, although the performances by Jack and, and Hyda were amazeballs in that scene. Uh, what she did to him in an effort to cover her own mistake, and yes, I said it's her mistake, not what Ross did to her, because I am not in the non-con camp, uh, so go ahead and flame me. I'm ready for it. Uh, but I think that my position on that has been clear for, for ages. But she's blaming George's suspicions all on his jealousy for Ross. I mean, I found nothing to cheer about that scene. Uh, she's not being a queen, um, trademark. She's being an abusive motherfucker. And, and if, you know, if we were to switch the names and pronouns, um, in what we heard uh, a few moments ago, there would be hell to pay. I mean, you know, if Ross hauled off and did something like that to Demelza, all y'all would be up in arms. All y'all would be up in arms. Um, and it's just, it's not cool that we have this happening to George and nobody's calling it what it is. Everybody's cheering it. Yeah, but, you know, I, and I don't want to get into a whole debate about gender politics, but, you know, if this was a woman, people would be upset as hell. And that, I just, I, I can't abide this. I just can't abide this. That's double standard. Uh, okay, uh, moving on. Uh, shout out to Rowella. Attorney MSV3 said Rowella besting Ozzy, hands down. He so had this coming, and then some. What made you want to throw things at the computer slash television screen? Um, lots of responses of Prudy, big time. BPAC67 said Prudy telling Demelza she had seen Ross kissing Elizabeth, and Altiet said the whole scene just smacked of. Let's give the audience a reason for Demelza's infidelity. Uh, and uh, how about what about Caroline? Who's Caroline? <laughs> Sorry, I don't remember that character. <laughs> Paul Dorking said, We established last episode that Prudy was condoning Demelza's affections for Hugh, but what about Caroline? Or 
But Caroline, um, I'm assuming given her knowing looks last episode, that she has a fairly good idea of what's going on. Then when Prudy announces a visitor at Nampara, Caroline has a knowing look about her and says she'll stay with Drake so Demelza can go. Are we to assume she's okay with Demelza's thing with Hugh? I wondered if anybody was going to mention that. I mean, it's practically a non-event because Caroline is like a piece of furniture or like a Greek chorus to this. She's just... Does she have my She's just along with the bug. She's just there and she says things because stuff needs to happen. Um, the director and the writers... Tropelisa said the way they shot the juxtaposition between Ross and Demelza's scenes when she's with Hugh and they kept cutting to scenes of Ross leading the men and running through the woods, etc. as if they were trying to remind us she's married. You know, I was I was fine with it. You know, she said earlier that she wanted him to step it up or to step up. How much more step up can you be when you're possibly running into a battle with the French on your home soil? No, meanwhile, she's off on the beach, rolling around in the sand and the, and the reeds with Lord Byron. And we didn't need to uh, cut to scenes of Ross leading the men because we could see that wedding ring. <laughs> On her finger or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true enough. Uh, Paul Dawking said, The way the writers framed Ross's conflict over how he should help Cornwall by playing their game or sticking to his ideals. I wasn't aware this was a big issue for him in the show until episode 9 and his road to Damascus moment. You mean the nightmare flashback. Flash forward... Daydream thing. Yeah. Ross did struggle the with hallucination this. <laughs> Ross did struggle with yes. this in the novels, but the writers didn't do a very good job of showing that on the show. Honestly, it's it's my my new favorite analogy: trying to paint a watercolor with a house painting brush. Uh, let's see. Um, goes on to say uh, Ross being surprised when Demelza thinks George's men beat Drake, and him saying Elizabeth would not allow George to do so. That just felt completely contrived. We've seen nothing but animosity between him and George this season, including this last episode. And George and Tom Harry and company uh, did this to Ross or to Judd last season. I just felt it was another way of trying to distance Ross and Demelza in order to explain or justify her affair with Hugh, especially with Ross speaking of Elizabeth like that. And elsewhere in the episode, when Ross told Demelza, you keep your secrets, I'll keep mine. Or I, I think, did he say that? in this show or was that Demelza telling Ross that in their confrontation I can't remember oh it was just too much of a mess with the dialogue (sighs) we also need to talk about slut shaming character bashing and trolls Parish's head said I don't like what Demelza did with you but the people in the fandom who are slut shaming her make me want to throw things at the screen so much word oh my god yes preach it there's there's way too much of that going on and it's and it's really painful to to watch okay so prepare yourself i have a list of things okay (laughs) settle in people get some snacks yeah settle in people i don't have any potato chips this week but uh (laughs) grab grab a beverage the fact that ross was asked a billion times what happened at the church and still thought it was a good idea to lie this week and last 
he isn't that stupid. He had to know she knew. Yeah, but uh, did she give him a chance to answer before she cut him off with her threat to keep her own secrets? That is not convenient for the drama. Exactly! Then Demelza then using that as an excuse to cheat. It's like her entire motivation in the show, and it's A, not how it was in the books. B, makes her look super vindictive. And C, kind of a terrible way of getting back at Ross, because she ended up looking freaking sick and tortured herself. You played yourself, sister. The mob scene. I'm tired of mob scenes. Nobody needs them. We're getting them every week. You blink and there's a riot on the show. Anyway, <laughs> Tholly's involvement I get, but I feel like Sam and Emma were thrown in the mix just to give them something to do this week. When I felt like it was monumentally out of character for Sam to advocate for violence and for Emma to even give two shits about what George does. Honestly, stop hauling this shit out of the closet. Everything the show has done to Prudy. She went out of her way to get Demelza to cheat, but then regretted it. It doesn't make any sense, and I don't think Debbie knew what the hell she was doing with her in that moment. Again, we miss you, Phil Davis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And something about having Ross comfort Demelza at the end of the episode made me feel incredibly gross and uncomfortable, and as much as I appreciate a good Romelza moment, this didn't feel authentic. Uh, can I have your babies? Well, I can't. <laughs> that that ship has sailed, and yes, the science hasn't gotten there yet. <clears throat> but there was so yeah, there was so much of this. Oh my God, that was so romantic and loving and wonderful stuff happening out there on the interwebs that. I thought I was the only person who was completely unsettled and angry about it. And I think the reason why is because of the way that they have compressed this this whole huge situation into such a short time frame. You know, I would get it if we had had some time in between, um, you know, in, in the books. I know I'm saying that again. Um uh the time that that passes between Demelza having sex with Hugh and that comforting hug is several months and there are more things that happen during that period of time that bring them to the point where they are um basically holding one another uh, and and terribly distressed so it 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 makes it makes it a little it gives it more air more time to breathe and i think that's something that we've talked about uh on the the show before that you know we don't have these major plot points um given the ample time they need to to breathe uh in order for things to feel more natural um instead of going from sleeping with you and cuddling up with Ross, still wearing the same dress. You know, I'm not thinking that she has had an opportunity to go swim in the ocean. So, <laughs> you know, she's basically gone from from Hugh to Ross in the space of an evening. And it just, it made me really uncomfortable. 
Speaking of these magical transformation, Mwena's uh, ability to love her child overnight. <laughs> What's that about? That scene where she ran over and hugged the child, telling him she didn't really mean to kill him. I rolled my eyes. This show is completely unwilling to give her a tinge of depth. This is a woman who's been through an incredible amount of trauma. She should be allowed to have that authentic reaction and not have to be like, I don't want to say PG, but there is this societal expectation that all women should love their children unconditionally. And the media doesn't allow for these women to be shown as honest mothers. And, you know, women have traumas and they're not always perfect at child rearing and she's allowed to feel distant from her child. Why can't we see that on screen? Why are we having this scene where she's just blah again? Yeah. I mean, you know, Ozzy has been committing marital rape on Morwenna since the day he brought her home after the wedding. The child that she bore was a child that was not created in love, but created in terror. And so why can't she have feelings of ambivalence towards her, towards this child? Because the show is more concerned about making Moena likable than giving her any depth. Yeah. Oh, well. Our, I think our expectations are a little too high for the show. <laughs> that is the running theme. <laughs> Yes, Lower I your think expectations. so. That's what I'm gathering. Your expectations. We <laughs> <laughs> should make a song. <laughs> oh yes. We'll do a musical episode of the podcast. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, what was your performance of the week? Prairie she said said Jack and Haida read no, Jack Friday and Haida read for the Bible scene. Please give them BAFTAs or Emmys for this. Amanda Poldark said Josh Whitehouse for basically blowing 1970s Hugh out of the water. And I wish I had a comparison, but we haven't got that far in our podcast yet. Right, right. And, you know, as much as I as much as much I can't stand Hugh Armitage, Josh Whitehouse has done an amazing job bringing that character to life. Um, so massive kudos to him for that time. Uh, let's see. Artsyat said, Jack Farthing, he truly was back to being a deeply flawed human, believable, not an evil cartoon they've made him this season. Yeah, Snidely Whiplash was nowhere in sight this week. And Romantical Reverie said, Haida Reed as Elizabeth. She was brilliant this episode, especially. Yes. Uh, Jack Farthing, without a question, was the performance of the week for me. He's been trying valiantly all season with some very luckluster writing, but this week he was finally given a chance to shine, and he blew everyone out of the water. I pray to God that the BAFTAs open their eyes and at least nominate him, because he's really responsible for keeping many viewers, such as me, interested in the show this season. Yeah, what Rita said, it's really weird to say, but George is probably the least likable person in Cornwall. Uh, but still, <laughs> still, I can't help feeling some kind of sympathy for him. Sometimes I just want to hug him and tell him that everything will be okay. And uh, yeah, it's a credit to Jack Farthing, because I don't know if I would feel the same way if uh, Warlegan was played by another actor. 
Okay, next up, did you find the episode to be a satisfactory end to Series 3? Uh, BPAC67 said, I felt the series ending with Ross and Demelza holding each other and both hurting, but for different reasons. Demelza, the perpetrator, Ross, the victim, was a fitting way to end the series. Uh, Prewish's Head said, I think I'm just relieved this season is over, and Amanda Poldark loved this ending to Series 3. <laughs> Ross was in a bit of pain and fear that he was going to lose Demelza. Atziat said, not sure they could have given me a satisfactory end to this season. I'm glad they tied up a few storylines, but so much was missing throughout that it would have been impossible to satisfy my need for closure. Paul Dawkins said, not really. I mostly liked the ending scene, and some of the others had finality to them, or were evidently building to a future plot. If ham-handedly, a la Russ is standing down and telling the grain mobs he'll be an MP. But overall, the episode just didn't feel very final somehow. Hugh and Demelza came to a head, as did Elizabeth and George, though as I mentioned, I was underwhelmed by the Ross and George scene. But beyond those, things just felt up in the air. Sweet, Rup Sweet Ruptured Light said, This entire season has been so uneven. I feel like I've been on a roller coaster where everything is blurry and watercolor that makes very little sense. All the characters had shifting characterizations and that waxed and waned, depending on what the writers needed them to. As a better shipper, the fact that Drake and Morwenna got this entire story arc over Dwight's important PTSD storyline or Caroline's growth as a woman frustrated me. This season is dead to me, to be honest. Uh, Tropolisa said, I thought it was fine, neither great nor bad, just fine. I feel there was a lot that was unresolved and there was a ton of angst this season, which is on par, which is par for the course. But at least with other seasons, things sort of ironed themselves out. I don't know. Attorney MSB3 said, Overall, not really. Hope for Moana and Drake, Sam and Emma, and for Caroline and Dwight in the two and a half minutes they may get in Series 4. For George and Elizabeth, not so much. It appears he cannot change, and Elizabeth, who knows how she will manipulate people and events in the future. Maybe she will turn over a new leaf in the future as the writer wants us to like her and feel sorry for her, something I will never do. For Ross and Demelza, absolutely not. The heart and soul has been sucked out of their story. As the old song goes, Where is the love? Where is the love? Gotta love Donnie Hathaway. For me, it just didn't really feel like a season final. I was like, oh, it's over. I mean, episode ended, and it kind of felt like they ran out of episodes. Which, let's be honest, seems to be the case. I wish to fucking god that they hadn't started the Force Ones because despite the fact that it's a much better book in my opinion and a storyline I actually prefer, I'd rather have waited to see it play out properly than watch it getting mangled like this. Oh my god, completely agree. You know, trying to cram 60% of Force Ones into two episodes is utterly absurd. I did not think that, um, feel like this was a satisfactory ending, but since my expectations were very lowered, I was not disappointed, I think. So it was just, it just felt like, okay, end of season three. See you next year. Bye bye. Yeah, you know, it's one thing. I, you know, at the end of season two, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I can't wait for season three. I'm kind, I, <laughs> I'm kind of shrugging. At this point. Good riddance. <laughs> the end of series one, I was like, oh my god, I need more of this right now. And then at the end of series two, I was like, okay, 
okay, I need to see if this thing, if they're going to be together and things are going to get better. And I was really eager to find out, uh, you know, what would happen in series three. At this point, I'm just kind of shrug. I mean, I'm excited for them to start shooting series four again. Um, you know, really looking forward to that and, you know, seeing pictures and stuff like that. Uh, but I, I'm not desperate for it. And that's sad. That's sad. Okay. Any other observations you wish to share with us? BPEC67 said, I want to acknowledge how wonderful the Ross hair has been. The lusciousness and volume of the Turner curls has been off the ballpark this series. Uh, Pervicious Head said, I still think they should have they should have only stuck to one book this season. They could have gotten nine episodes <laughs> they could have gotten nine episodes worth of material from Black Moon alone. The show does better when it sticks closer closer to the source material. And Artsy at said these books and this show are essentially the story of Ross and the Melza. I think that was forgotten this season, and especially tonight. Oh, and one more observation. Does anyone else love Bassett as much as me? A moral man, principled, caring, strong, and that voice. Plus, he put George in this place. Score one for the upper class. God, I have quite a massive crush on Bassett. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Oh, my God. The scene with, with him and George. Oh, my God. That was so good. It's so oh, funny please. because when he has scenes with like Ross, it's like a, a battle of who's got the sex in his voice. <laughs> God, you're so right. You're so right. I could, uh, yeah, yeah. Romantical Reverie said I also didn't like the, the somewhat repetitive dialogue written for Ross's character regarding Demelza's expectations of him, telling Demelza, if this is the man you seek, you should look elsewhere. Sweet Ruptured Light said, finally, the revenge, revenge sex between Demelza and Hugh. Ladies, I didn't hate it. 99% of my feelings is related to how very much Ross is annoying me, so I own that. Yes, I know Hugh is actively pursuing a married woman, just can't muster up the emotion to loathe him for it. Plus, they looked so pretty rolling in the glass, even if it was a tad windy to be getting naked. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Lol. That said, the final Ross and Demelza scene actually hit me in the feels. Ah, this stupid show. <laughs> Attorney MSB3 said, um, her head is now being held together with duct tape due to multiple <laughs> <head> explosions. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie Horsfield has left me in such a sad place. Even worse in series one, which was horrendous. Debbie Horsfield said in an interview, this is the lowest point in Ross and Demelza's relationship. Really? You think? As far as the books go, the Ross and Demelza story stopped following the books long ago. Random observations from me. Drake and Mulwenna still made no sense at all. Why are they stalking each other suddenly? Like, why should I also care about that? Also, is Ross having a breakdown? What's with all the dream sequences this season? <laughs> and I'm crying for Caroline. Yeah, not an observation, just a hope. One can hope, but I'm waiting for more Caroline in series four. I hope your life doesn't depend on yeah, that. No. The, now we're on to messages. And one of our Anon messages said, I was surprised to find in Black Moon that Ozzy Whitworth was described as good looking. How do you think it happened that all the TV versions have made him fat and disgusting? He might have been even more of a monster using his good looks to be cruel to the women in his life rather than a character we instantly dislike. 
and it would be more of a challenge for the actors. Now, this is a conversation we actually had in book club, but while I love the actor and totally respect the decision to put on weight for the part, I think it's a great sacrifice for him personally. I agree, and I think this kind of plays into the trope of overweight people being these unlovable monsters that I see all the time in the media, and I have huge issues with it. It's problematic and super unrealistic yeah i mean honestly you know as handsome as uh christian brassington is um you know without all of the extra weight if they had had him looking as he does you know normally um wrapped up in all those pretty clothes he would have been absolutely terrifying um you know and instead we see this overweight buffoon um who is you know ugh. <laughs> um it's easier to sell the fat slob being horrible than someone who's so pretty oh wait sorry that was huge job this season can't have two pretty bad guys in a season my bad but uh speaking of um the fact that he if he hadn't gained that much weight um i don't know if you guys know this new I think it's on HBO uh, with Nicole Kidman and um, I hope I'm going to pronounce his name well, Alexander Skarsgård, who is known for playing Eric in True Blood. I think he plays a guy, he's super good looking, and he plays a man who is um, actually um, putting on this, you know, super happy marriage phase in front of people, but then when he comes home, he uh, beats his wife. And uh, so, yeah, it just, uh, it shows that uh, if the actor hadn't put that much weight, he would have still been terrifying. Yeah, it would have been it would have been great. It would have been great, but oh well. So another anonymous said, "I know in the grand scheme, I should hate Hugh. He knows Jamelza is married, and he pursues her anyway. However, in light of how Ross is written, and therefore how he treats Demelza, I can't help but say I think I ship Demelza and Hugh. Every word out of Ross's mouth this episode was a slight towards his wife. Is it any wonder she falls into Hugh's arms?" Is it any wonder I'm shipping this because I'm 100% done with Ross? Um, I mean, ship what you want, because it's really not the place of this podcast to try and tell you what to ship. But it kind of sounds like you don't so much ship Hugh and Demelza as much as you just completely disapprove of the show's portrayal of Ross and Demelza. Um, now that's understandable, because there's been a huge mess to watch this season, and both Ross and Demelza have been terrible people. But does that make you a better candidate? And based on what exactly? You've got some flattery and a quick tumble on the beach, but there's no depth to that relationship. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I've seen this uh, God knows how many times out on the interwebs um, that one of the main reasons why her attention shifts to Hugh is because Ross neglects her. And I'm sketching air quotes in the air. Um, I hear that word, and the way that I, my brain interprets that um, is pretty serious. It's like things like abandonment and abdication of responsibility and, and, and things like that. That's what the word neglect means to me. Um, you know, I don't dispute Ross neglected his wife and family while he was making calves eyes at Elizabeth last season. But that was last season. This season, 
he's been much more of a family man than he was, you know, before, you know, minus the days prior to Julia's death. Um, you know, he said on more than one occasion, he just wanted to be a country squire at home with his family. And with the exception of the months long visit to Roscoe bullshit, he's been sticking fairly close to home unless he's running the family business or tending to the farm. You know, what he's supposed to be doing to keep a roof over their heads. So I guess I need to understand what this definition of neglect is. Is it the fact that Ross isn't writing Demelza poetry and, you know, telling her that he that he loves her, you know, every other second or something along those lines? Help us, sister out. There is a sort of like emotional vacuum in their relationship. And it's not entirely of Ross's doing. Um, but that's not neglect. I would say he was neglectful last season, but now it's unless we're still are we still like like holding all of that against him? Um, if you are, then yes, I can see why you're throwing that word around, but I think like most of us aren't. Maybe underappreciation? I don't know. That that could be that I could I could absolutely see that, but yeah, I it, I guess it's just it's the the word choice that is confusing me. So you know uh, I if y'all have some things you want to say, you know you know where the ask box is. Uh, feel free to to drop a note in there and and give us some of your examples of that because I I would like to understand that a little better. Okay, so um, that's it for this week. We are taking a mini break following the exhaustion of season three, but we will be back in September with new podcasts, including a season three overview, what went right and what went, oh, so very wrong. If you want to get involved in that podcast discussion, please message us your thoughts at polarpodcast.tumblr.com or tweet us at polarpodcast. Thank you for listening and bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I love you, yes, and I'll confess The thought of staying is so enticing And when you speak, my knees get weak I can't believe what I'm sacrificing But let's get real, we know the deal so darling, let's not tiptoe This thing we had was not just bad It was a shit show We can't undo, can't make amends Dysfunction is our lingua franca We can't unscrew each other's friends We're Jerry Springer Not Casablanca There's hard to get Then there's neglect To say it's fate You'd have to be a bit slow Not to be crass But this sucked ass This was a shit show Next to us looks like a campfire Hurricane Katrina was just bad weather 
We have chemistry, of course, but that's a formula for divorce. A play about pieces of feces is what we are together. Oh, what the hell? Let's get a hotel. Cause life is short and we're not getting any younger. But after sex, what happens next? I mean, in the long run, not just fatigue and hunger. And when you say that I should stay, that's exactly when I should split. Though I won't forget, I won't regret this beautiful.